Hello and welcome to the first playoff edition of the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. I am your host and moderator, Tom Reed. I am joined today by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. Uh, and we will break down the this upcoming series with the Islanders uh, later in the in the in segment three. We will be joined by the great Butch Goring, uh, who is the color analyst for MSG, covers the Islanders, longtime former Islander, won four Stanley Cups. So we've got a lot to discuss here. And speaking of Butch Goring, uh, one of many Islanders over the last 30, 40 years who have uh, really caused the Penguins heartache in the playoffs. Uh, guys, if we look at maybe the only intangible coming into the series that says, boy, the Islanders have a strong edge is just in history because they have time after time bedeviled the Penguins in the playoffs, uh, most specifically in 82 when the Penguins had a chance to knock off the two-time defending champs, blew a two-goal lead late in the game, lost a decisive game five. Um, most of our listeners probably are old enough to remember 93 and uh, the Penguins being denied a chance at a three-peat in a game seven lost shot by David Volick from somewhere on the Parkway West. And then, of course, two years ago, uh, when the Penguins were rudely swept out of the first round in four games. Taylor, I will start with you. Give me three keys uh, for the Penguins to make sure history does not repeat itself in round one. Yeah, I mean, looking at the regular season schedule, um, scoring first, uh, the Penguins... um, they won every game in which they led at first intermission in the regular season series. Um, I mean, so that'll be big because these are going to be tight, uh, low-scoring games. Um, I think goaltending is going to be um, a, a tight matchup. I mean, Varlamov, one of the better goaltenders in, in the league this season. Um, so you're going to need Jared Bantal of his game. And then um, I, I just the Stars um, producing the way they should, I think that's something that was maybe missing um, the last two series. Um, so I mean, that would be the, my, my top three keys. Dave, you looking into, into this series, I think a lot of people, and we'll get to our predictions later, uh, favor, uh, the Penguins. What do you, uh, how do they press their advantage here? What, what, what the Penguins need to do to come out of this, uh, with a series win? Well, I mean, I, I think they will have to be patient because the Islanders are, you know, their, their success is predicated upon playing well defensively and uh, countering uh, off of mistakes that, you know, other teams make. I think that might be the biggest key. The others are, are pretty standard stuff. You've got to have the goaltending. You've got to do well on special teams. Um, I think the Penguins have superior personnel, <clears throat> but, you know, uh, the, the best team doesn't always win. I think the the 93 loss to the Islanders is is the best possible example of that. Sure, the, sure. the Penguins, were, on paper, were so superior to New York that year, uh, but still uh, managed to lose. So they can't take anything for granted, but, but I think considering that they've only won one of their past 10 playoff games, <laughs> uh, overconfidence shouldn't be... Uh, 
a real issue for them. I think more of an issue might be if if they would run into some early adversity in the series uh, and see how, how they respond to that. Because, you know, when you've lost nine of your last 10 in the playoffs, it would be easy to think, you know, here we go again. Um, so that, that might be a pretty good test for the coaching staff and the leaders in the locker room if, if the Penguins would, uh, you know, get off to a bad start in the series. But, uh, I mean, all things considered, you have to think that they're, they're in pretty good shape going into this. Uh, you guys both know, and this sorry, this isn't on script. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing you an extra question here. Um, you guys both know the game changes somewhat in the playoffs, not all the times, but – uh, certainly, uh, the Islanders would like to change it as much as they can. I think the Penguins, Taylor, am I correct? Won six of the games in in, in the series season series. Yeah, they went six and two, and uh, two of their wins one came in overtime, one came in a shootout. My point on this was that that one thing that really stood out in the regular season games was the team speed. Uh, we know the Penguins are a pretty quick team, and they've they've added speed this year, certainly with Kapanen, and even at age thirty six, uh, Jeff Carter has some wheels. Do you think the speed will the Penguins' speed will be will will show as much in in this playoff round as it did in the regular season series? Yeah, I mean that could be one of the challenges. I it, the regular season series, I think it was encouraging that maybe they it showed more than it did maybe two years ago in the playoffs because I mean yeah. the Islanders they're such a tight defensive team, um, not a great matchup for the Penguins when they when they you know they're they're trying to play with speed like that. Um, but like you said, we did see it in the regular season series, which I guess gives hope that it could we could see it in the playoffs and it wouldn't be like in 2019 uh, when they were so good at shutting that that down. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll have to, to wait and see. It's such a uh, weird year, I guess, you know, that you don't really have the same home ice advantage with, you know, not as loud crowds and all. So it, nothing's the same. Um, and especially coming off of this long layoff, it, that's very abnormal too. So um, I guess we'll see if we get the same normal playoff intensity to start, but um, I think the regular season series um, is, is a good sign. Dave. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are times when you watch the Islanders and if they're really playing the way Barry Trotz wants them to, you think they should be called for too many men on the ice because it seems like they have seven or eight out there. Yep. Um, you know, making it very difficult to, uh, get through the neutral zone and, and to get any sort of quality scoring chance on their goaltender. Uh, the Penguins, though, you know, fared pretty well in, in that regard against the Islanders this season. I, I believe they scored 26 goals in the eight games, uh, about a, a goal a game more than the Islanders gave up to the rest of the league. So, you know, the, the Penguins uh, you know, were able to capitalize on their speed most of the time, um, you know, it's it's certainly an asset that that they'll want to exploit to uh, the fullest extent possible. All right, I think one of the one of the key one of the key stats that jumps out to me when when looking at this series when you start to to drill deep a little bit onto the numbers is um, the Islanders were twenty three two and two when scoring first now. Most teams that are in the playoffs usually are pretty good when scoring first. The, the Penguins are very good. I think they were something like 20, maybe 23, 4 and 2, whatever. 
But I think it's important for the Islanders, more so than the Penguins, to get a lead because of the way they play, the way that Dave just described a minute ago, where it looks like they have seven guys in the neutral zone. They can play their system when they're ahead. I think it's much the lead is much more important to the Islanders than it is the Penguins, especially early in games, because they can kind of they are just like the the league's boa constrictors when that when they're on their game and they have the lead. Important point here: two of those losses that the Islanders suffered, the non-regulation losses, were both to the Penguins. Which, to my point, I don't think the Penguins would panic as much. Not were playing from behind. Do you think, Taylor, that can be? A, is that a factor for the Islanders? If if you were going to say if you were going to try to conjure some way that the Islanders win this series, do you think them playing with leads early in games uh, is important? Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, you know, I mentioned it earlier. The Penguins, uh, they led at, you know, at first intermission, even if they didn't score first, they led at first intermission in three of the eight games, and they won all three of them. So when the Penguins led after 20 minutes, they didn't let the Islanders come back at all. Um, now, but I mean, looking at the other side, when the, Peng- the tra- Penguins trailed at intermission in, in four of those um, in, in those games, they trailed at the first intermission, and the Penguins did come back to win two of them, which would be those... Um, Two that you mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, it, the Penguins uh, and the Islanders, the, the regular season series, they're all, you know, obviously very close games, most of them. Um, so, yeah, scoring first is going to be huge. So for the Islanders to be able to score first, get the early lead, and then kind of sit back and play their style, that would be um, a key for them to, to get on the board first. Dave, if, if, if you if you look at the 16 teams in, in the tournament, uh Everyone has systems, but I'm not sure there is a team in the tournament that plays to their system, more to their style uh, than the Islanders. They really depend on it. They remind me, they're not to that level, but they do remind me of the of the Devils in the 90s. Uh, also, the general manager being Lou Lamorello, how they can just frustrate you once they get up on you. Um, do you see why it's important to them to, to play that way when they're a team that doesn't really score a lot of goals? Oh yeah, I mean they they have you know very few potential game breakers. You know Matthew Barzell comes immediately to mind. Sure. Uh, they certainly won't miss Anders Lee in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know they, they're not a team that's de- you know designed to play from behind or come back from from behind. I don't think you want to ever want to build a team with the idea of having to come back from behind, but the Penguins are a pretty good example of a team that, that could be capable of doing that. They, you know, there are sure some pretty accomplished offensive players in their lineup. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think having to play from behind for much of the series could probably just about be considered a uh, a fatal flaw for for the Islanders if that would happen. They uh, yeah, they they play you know they're a classic Barry Trotz team. Sure, they uh, they rely on you know very responsible defensive play and and good goaltending. That's the way his uh, teams were in uh, in Nashville and in Washington. Although he had a little more offensive ability to work with with the Capitals but uh this yeah this is a a vintage Barry Trotz team yeah uh, we're going to get to the star players here in our, in our second segment Dave's favorite segment the roundtable segment uh <laughs> but right now I want to ask you guys both uh, 
obviously when the when the playoffs come around, the unsung heroes becomes for every season. They they just there always seems to be a, a couple of guys throughout the league who just elevate their game at this time of year, uh, who end up making major contributions that maybe you weren't expecting. Taylor, if if there's one person on the on the uh, Penguins side, who would your pick be going in? I mean, is is Jeff Carter still an unsung hero at this point? I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. You know, I think normally, ahead. yeah. I mean, normally, you know, your third line center that might be a, an unsung hero, but sure. after the way he finished the season, I don't know if he even counts. I mean, he had what uh, seven points in six games to finish the season. Um, almost all of those, except for one power play goal, were at, were at even strength. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I still think he counts just because he is, you know, bottom six and the Penguins were missing those bottom, uh, six contributions, you know, before, um, last in the last postseason. Uh, but even then, I think the way he finished the season, it's, it's hard to call him an unsung hero. Taylor, I would have lost a lot of money on this segment here because I <laughs> thought you were going Freddie hockey all the I- way. So I I did think I he, okay he would have been my second pick if I wasn't allowed to pick Jeff Carter if four goals you're allowed you, you're from, allowed to take anybody at one here if four two. goals disqualifies you from being an unsung hero I mean uh, Freddie Gaudreau but I, but then again just that entire third line um, yeah. because we've talked about it before like last season it, the third line was really a weakness in the playoffs but uh, it doesn't look like that this year. Dave, if you, you you pick somebody who's the quote unquote X factor guy, that, well, I mean not X factor, but but somebody that can that can that can rise up and and score a couple of big goals, make a couple of big plays for this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know that there's anybody who would qualify as unsung on this team because just about everybody has made a meaningful contribution to the success they've had this season. But if there was a a somewhat lower profile guy that I think has the potential to contribute in ways that you might not necessarily count on. I'd probably go with Teddy Bluger and uh, the possibility of scoring a couple of significant goals. I mean, you obviously rely on him to, uh, to play well defensively and kill penalties, but he's uh, shown an ability to score, especially shorthanded. Um, So yeah, if I had to, uh, to pick someone who might not be a, uh, a headliner who could have a significant impact on the series. I'd probably go with him. Especially if you get Tanev back and put him just right back on that line. And if they could go back to, you know, the Aston Reese Pluger Tanev line going back to the way they were playing, you know, when they were together, uh, yeah, Teddy is a guy that could definitely step up too. Yeah. And especially Dave mentioned the shorthanded goals. That's that I almost like picture him scoring a big shorthanded goal somewhere along the way. And don't, don't, Normally, those he and Tanif play together, correct? Back if I if I remember during the regular season, Taylor, right on, uh, the, on the on the PK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could I could see that. Both good answers, though. I mean, Jeff Carter's thirty six years old. We can't expect that much, uh, even though we're going to talk about him here extensively in the next couple he's segments. Not, yeah, he's not Patrick Marlowe two like some of the takes uh, after after the trade. If you go back and look at those, throwing um, shade, throwing shade early <laughs> early in the show here. All right, we got a lot to get to, including Butch Goring. He'll be in our third segment. But Dave Molinari's favorite segment. He, you know it, you love it. The roundtable is coming up in a minute. Stick with us on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio.
Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. As we said, stick with us for segment three. Butch Goring uh, from MSG Network, uh, fine color analyst for the Islanders, will join us. But now, the roundtable segment. And let's get right to it here. Uh, Taylor, you alluded to this in your uh, three keys to the series. I wanted to go a little deeper here. Uh, Obviously, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are two of the greatest players, uh, certainly in Penguins history. Both are headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, But the last couple playoff years, the early exits, uh, they've been okay. Uh, They've put up a couple points here and there, but I don't think either one of them has been that dynamic. Taylor, is it too much to expect of two stars, even in their age, even as they approach the mid-30s, uh, to really kind of turn this on if they want to go deep this year? Uh, I don't think it's too much to expect. I mean, what, Crosby won the Smythe not that many years ago. Um, and I think looking at, I mean, the regular season Crosby had, I don't have any concerns that he'll be able to keep that going into the playoffs. Malkin may be a little tricky just because when he did come back from injury, he, I, he you know, he didn't produce a whole lot. And then I don't know if he's 100% you know, looking at uh, Wednesday's playoffs, he was out there early working with Ty Hennis, the skills coach, which is something that injured guys normally do, guys who aren't 100%. And then he didn't participate in the scrimmage, so you, you don't know if Malkin might be dealing with something at this point. Um, and then uh, his his Kapanen, we know he can play with Kapanen. Zucker, I don't know if, you know, that's maybe the best option for the, his other wing. Um you know, McCann would probably be uh, a better a better fit for Malkin on that line, but also you don't want to break up that third line. So I I don't really have any concerns about Crosby, but Malkin just especially because we don't really know what his health is at for sure. Um, that could be uh, something to watch. Dave, fair or unfair that 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 the two stars have to maybe play at a little higher level than they have in the last two playoffs? Oh, I I don't think. The question is whether it's fair or not. It's mandatory. Yeah. I mean, perhaps they could get past the Islanders if uh, Crosby and Malkin would just be so-so. But if they intend to go on any sort of a lengthy run, which is their stated objective, they're going to need you know, their world-class players to play like world-class players. Yeah. Um, you know, and have, having good regular seasons, and Lord knows Crosby had a, a tremendous one right? Uh, all over the ice. But, you know, the objective in this game is to win Stanley Cups, not President's Trophies or East Divisions or whatever. And in order for the Penguins to do that, you know, a, a lot of things have to happen. But getting elite-level production from their elite level talents is uh, very high on that list. Yeah, you would. I think. What was your stat? One win in the last ten yeah. playoff games. Yeah, that's uh, again. I know last year there was a lot of talk about, and I, I was not at DK Sports at the time, but I, I stifled a little laughter when I heard so much talking about the third pair defensive defensemen of Nick Schultz and and Johnson taking so. Much much heat and the goaltending decision were like, I mean, you guys scored like eight goals. 
the series or whatever the number was. It well, wasn't very odd. But most I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but if you look at like the the goals the Islanders scored, the percentage of them that were scored against the third defensive pairing, uh it was Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like I understand. <laughs> no, no, yeah, 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 the uh the Canadians, yeah. I, I, I get it. Trust me, I do get it. But it's just I kept coming back to you only scored like eight or ten goals and got shut out in an elimination game. Um, all right, let's move on here. I think one of the, the, the sub, I don't know if it's a sidebar or a subplot to this series, this upcoming series with the Islanders, is the trade deadline. And both teams uh, made fairly significant moves. Maybe Pittsburgh's is looking more significant now. Jeff Carter has stepped into the lineup and has looked like he's been there since the beginning of the season. Uh, has not been that has not been the same story on the island. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, um, boy, is this going to give you a great chance to talk about your talking points, Taylor, of having to shave? And Travis Zajac, Zajac has been a healthy scratch at times. Palmieri just has not uh, had a huge impact at this point. Again, things can change when the playoffs starts, but. Uh, you look at this, and, and uh, Taylor, and it's just—it really looks like the Penguins have gotten the boost that the Islanders were hoping to get. Yeah, I mean, well, you mentioned the talking points. Maybe their power was in their beards. Suck <laughs> <laughs> that out of them. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I actually did because I, I wanted to write about this um, at some point this week, but. Uh, I, I did ask Sullivan because, you know, they haven't played the Islanders since the trade deadline. And I asked him, like, you know, like, how have they changed, you know, since you last saw them? And uh, he he talked for a while, but he pretty much just kept repeating, you know, it gives them more depth, um, which, like, uh, it does give them more depth. But they're not getting, like you said, the same contributions that you're getting from Jeff Carter, seven points in his last six games uh, leading into the playoffs and uh, centering that third line uh, in which has been so great in, in those six games the way he has. So yeah, that's that 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 that'll be huge. Uh because yeah, the the Penguins, yeah, Jeff Carter, they didn't have him for the, the regular season series and they're already so good in the regular season series. So now that they're healthy and they have a Jeff Carter who's producing the way he is, um, that's uh that's certainly encouraging. And we're gonna ask obviously we're gonna have Butch going on as I mentioned, we'll ask him about this as well. He's sees all their games. But Dave, I think one interesting facet of any time you make a deadline move whether it's good or bad is you can have all you can have all the eyes on a Jeff Carter or a Travis Sajak or a Kyle Palmieri you know their history you know their pedigree the one thing general managers and coaches will tell you is you don't know how they're going to adapt how quickly they're going to adapt to a new system and when I look at what's going on on Long Island right now, especially with Zajac, it just it looks like they are kind of struggling to kind of get into that system. With Palmieri, maybe more just not scoring. But uh, is that do you, do you think that may be a little bit of what's going on here, that just kind of adjusting to a new locker room, new coaches, a new system? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that the system should be that big of a deal for, for a guy like Zajac. You know, he's, uh, especially when he's played against the Penguins in the past, and he's been extremely effective against them in the past. That's something people shouldn't lose sight of. Uh, he's usually been uh, cast in a defensive role, you know, yeah. uh, often against Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Um so, you know, I, I haven't paid enough attention to the Islanders since the trade deadline uh, because the Penguins season series with them was already complete. 
um, to have a really good sense of, of what's gone on with him. I mean, I have to admit, I'm surprised. I think on, on paper, he looked like he would be a pretty good fit with, with a Barry Trotz team. I Absolutely. Um, so why it hasn't worked out that way. Um, I, I really don't feel qualified to say, but I can't stress enough uh, what his history against the Penguins is. And, you know, that's something to keep in mind that even if he's had the roughest go of his career since he got to Long Island, uh, there might, might be something about seeing that uh, Penguins crest uh, that brings out the best in him. Yeah, and his, both of these guys have been good players uh, over the years. I, I believe it's Zajac's birthday today, so uh, don't want to speak too ill of him. Uh, and a guy who I think just played his thousandth game in the league. It's just it's 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 a little puzzling that those two have not had a bigger impact. Uh, all right, but but let's let's okay, let's cards on the table time, folks. Uh, let's get some predictions here in this series and the other series involving uh, Eastern Division teams. Uh, Taylor, let's start with you. Uh, who wins and in how many games? Say Penguins in seven. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it, it's going to be a tight series, like we talked about all all episode. Uh, so yeah, I I'll say it'll go seven games. Um, all pretty close scoring games, but uh, yeah, I'll say Penguins in seven. Dave, I go Penguins in six. If anything, I I might be tempted to cut it down to five. Um, I just think they're going well. They've you know, uh, they it looks as if they'll enter the series as healthy as they've been at any point in the season. Uh, the Islanders just haven't been really right for a while. Uh, obviously things can change, you know, in a shift. Um, but I, I think the Penguins should have their way in this series. I don't expect them to blow the Islanders out on a regular basis, but uh, they are the better team. And I, I think the uh, series result will reflect that. Kind of like I thought in 1993. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say, Taylor? Oh, I'd prefer a sweep just because game five is on my birthday. (laughs) There you go. It's all about it. Remember, it's all about it. And and, and that would save Dave uh, at least two more trips back to Robert Moses land uh, (laughs) on Long Island. Uh, So that would be probably good for Dave as well. That's Um, how it worked out two years ago. He didn't have to go back. Uh, I, I like the Penguins in six. Uh, I think, boy, it's just you hate to say it because it happened so earlier in the season. But Anders Lee losing their captain, losing that guy that's such a good net front presence for a team that doesn't score much to begin with has just been, to this point at least, a hurdle that they are struggling to overcome. Uh, we'll see, though. The other series uh, in the East, um, Washington and Boston, that kicks off on Saturday night, assuming – all the horses uh, pass their drug tests and there's no big controversy afterwards. Uh, we'll go into coverage of, of that series. Taylor, who do you like there? I don't know. I think that's going to be another tight one. I think, I don't know who who's going to come out on top, but I think, you know, if the Penguins do make it out of the series, the Capitals and the Bruins will probably beat up on each other pretty good in this series. And then whoever comes out of it won't be in the best position to play the Penguins. I'll, if I have to make a pick, I'll say Bruins in six although if i'm making another selfish pick i want the capitals come out just because i want to go back and get chinese food so uh, <laughs> they, they don't have they don't have chinese in pittsburgh the capitals arena is in chinatown i know so i know it's like the best of chinese food but yeah uh, i'll say i'll say the brand six. dave 
I'd go Boston in six or seven. I, I think the advantage that they have in goaltending with Tuka Rask over whoever the Capitals uh, opt to uh, go with. And, you know, uh, Peter Laviolette has already said that he won't be announcing his game one goaltender. So, uh, you know, that doesn't show <laughs> a whole lot of confidence in whoever he's going to end up going with. So I think, you know, goaltending could be the uh, the deciding factor in this one. And I, I certainly like the Bruins. I'd go six or seven. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I was the person that was saying that the Penguins would want to get Boston uh, right before or right around right after the trade deadline. Uh, I'm going with Boston as well. Uh, maybe six or seven. Uh, I think it, the other the other issue here that we, neither one of you addressed, and and again the, your points were were were, were very well were well taken, but the just the you know what is going on with Ovechkin, uh, I know that Oshie's kind of been a little nicked up. Uh, there's the, the Capitals to me just don't seem like they're trending in the right direction right now, uh, and the Bruins certainly uh, with Taylor Hall who's come over and played very well. Uh, I could definitely see Boston coming out of there, as Dave mentioned, the goaltending a huge edge as well. Is Tom okay. Wilson okay off the top of my head? I think Tom he, Wilson will be in fine. what sense? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, but he did he did get hurt in. Yeah, I think he said he was okay because I, I think he was interviewed after. I, yeah, is, is that like okay, okay, or like okay? I think he'll play. Okay. I think he, I think he's going to play. So yeah, but we'll wait. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have the answer Saturday night. All right, when we get back, we will come back here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, we will be joined by Butch Gehring. Uh, we're going to ask him about memories of that 80, epic 82 series, uh, but maybe about his leather helmet uh, and certainly uh, to preview the upcoming series with the Islanders. Stay with us, won't you? Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And as promised, we are now joined by Butch Goring, uh, four-time Stanley Cup champion with the New York Islanders, is the television voice of the Islanders with on MSG. They do a great job. He does a great job with Brendan Burke. Uh, first of all, welcome. How are you doing today, Butch? Uh, everything is good, thank you. No complaints. All right. I'm having to deal with the same problems everybody else is. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, just in typing this this sentence, it blew my mind. Uh, obviously, your team, your your the dynastic Islanders of of the early '80s, uh, they won 19 consecutive playoff series. Somehow, that's way more impressive than winning four Stanley Cups. It's incredible. Uh, but along the way, you guys probably had some close calls. We want to take you down to memory lane, back into the 82 series with the Penguins. Uh, you guys jumped on them first two games. Uh, looked like it was going to be a quick series. It was a five-game series. Penguins roar back, uh, win two games. Everyone in Pittsburgh is like, there's no way they're going to beat the Islanders back on Long Island. And lo and behold, they have a 3-1 lead with like eight minutes left in the game. And then the Islanders did what they always did. Uh, well, your, mem your, your thoughts and memories of that series and certainly that game five. Uh, I have a lot of memories on, on that, that series. And, you know, it was one of those scenarios where I believe we finished like first overall and Pittsburgh was like 30 points below us. And it looked like a mismatch on paper. But, you know, once the playoffs start, you never know what's going to happen. 
but we did have a pretty easy time the first two games and and my recollection is serves me right is the third game we we were much the better team but uh, the goaltender dion was really good and he kept them in the hockey game and and uh he found a way for for his team to win and then of course you know now all of a sudden it's game four and Pittsburgh's thinking, okay, well, I'm at home. I might as well play hard, play well. And and they really took us to us in game four. We, we did not have a good game. They had a great game. And then the, and game five or game seven, I mean, anybody can win that. And and the, the thought, I think, for Pittsburgh was, you know, we got a chance, we got a chance to upset the Stanley Cup champions. And and so they were they were they were ready to play. And it it, it was a hard game. And again, Dion was uh, was good in net. And, uh, you know, you're right. We found ourselves down a couple of goals with um, less than eight minutes to go in the game. And, yeah, um, we, I don't think we were thinking about losing. Uh, but we obviously, we, we knew we, we were in some, some trouble. And interestingly enough, um, Canada switched broadcast because they saw an, ups, an upset in the making. And so all of Canada was, was watching us play the Penguins in the last six minutes of the game. Wow. Yeah, what a series, and certainly a a hammer blow. Uh, as we were talking earlier in the show, uh, Butch, boy, the Islanders. I don't think I, I don't think a ton of people are picking them in this series, but boy, history certainly on 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 the Islanders' side. So many times they have uh, dealt the Penguins cruel blows in the playoffs. Um, with this series particular, you look at, at one of the things that stands out with both teams is they're excellent at home. Um, you know how big of a home, how big of an uh, impact do you think home ice will be in this series? Well, I, I, I think it'll be huge. Just you know, and I and I think like any series, I mean, you have to find a way to win a game on the road ultimately, and certainly for the Islanders, they're they're going to have to do that, and they haven't been really good on on the road. But you know, I I just look at this this series as, uh, and I and I and I would say I compare it to baseball. It looks to me like it's going to be. Good pitching against good hitting, and obviously the Islanders are the good pitching. Um, the Penguins have been scoring a lot of goals. They have an awful lot of talent. Now. You know, when you talk about Crosby and Malkin, and certainly Carter's been added to the mix, and and Gensel and 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 Russ. I mean, they, they got some people that put up some good numbers. They put up a lot of goals during this uh, shortened season. So um, for the Islanders, they're they're going to have to be at their best defensively and. And as they usually do, they're going to have to find ways to outwork teams and, and win the close ones. But you mentioned, I mean, Carter, the big trade deadline acquisition by the Penguins. I mean, the Islanders, they acquired Zajac and Palmieri. Just what hasn't necessarily clicked for them yet in the same way uh, for the Islanders? No, it hasn't. And, you know, this, this has been a question that's been, you know, comes up quite a bit over the, especially over the last couple of weeks. And, and, uh, you know, you look statistically at, at both guys, Ajax and Palmieri, and, and you know, you, you can't say, oh, they've been, you know, they've been scoring because they haven't. But um, the truth of the matter is that the Islanders really over their last 10 or 12 games have not played well as a team. And if you look at the scoring, they haven't been scoring as a team. So you can't just say, well, Paul Marion or Zajac haven't been scoring because, because you could say the same, same thing about Brock Nelson, Matt Barzell, Josh Bailey. I mean, the list just goes on and on. So they have not played well, except for the last couple of games. They played, uh, they played great against the Rangers. They played Islander hockey against the Rangers. They had a terrific finish with the Boston Bruins. I mean, it was a playoff game. It was physical. It's exactly what you expect from those two teams. So um, the truth of the matter is that, uh, you know, the Islanders didn't support their new players anywhere near as well as they, they should have. 
And so it's not, you know, it's not really a fair comparison where Pittsburgh was playing great hockey, scoring a lot of goals, and Carter was able to uh, to contribute offensively. Uh, Butch, the, the Islanders went on a pretty good run in the bubble last summer. Um, do you think they're capable of doing something like that again? And if so, what will have to happen uh, in order for that to happen? You know, what, what would be the key to that kind of a success? Well, they, they, you know, and I saw it in the, la- in the last <clears throat> against the Bruins. It was really a nothing game. Yes, maybe they could have moved up to third. But what I saw from the Islanders was, was this this team that played with energy. They, they were physically uh, ready to play, and they managed the puck, and they got great goaltending. And that really is what, what makes the Islanders a really dangerous hockey club, is that they're used to playing this way. They're used to playing one nothing, 2-1 games, and, and they're comfortable with it. And when they got to the bubble last year, I mean, that's what you saw from the Islanders. They were a relentless forechecking team. They were, again, smart with the puck. They made very few mistakes. And and so when they're on their game and, you know, they're re- ready to play it physically and they're ready to play it mentally, uh, they can beat anybody, and, and they've shown it. And uh, so for, for them to be successful against Pittsburgh, which was two years ago when they swept them, that was the type of hockey they played. They just completely shut down the Penguins. They won all the races, and they just didn't give them any room. And, and Crosby had nowhere to go, and usually he's a – He's an Islander killer, but they just totally dominated. And so that's the way they have to play if they're going to have success. They cannot play up and down in east-west and figure they're going to win 6-5. That's not the way they play. Uh, Butch, uh, two questions and we'll get you out of here. Uh, one serious and one maybe not quite as serious. The serious one, and we, we just discussed this in the last earlier in the show, is why is it I mean, the, the the Islanders have one of the best records in the NHL when they score first. Is it just a matter of that, that, that it allows them even greater latitude within their system to just kind of talk about what you just talked about of what they did a couple of years ago? Because I, I don't know if many, there's many teams in the league that, 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 that are as good once they have a lead as the Islanders. Yeah, and I talk about that all the time, how, how important scoring that, that first goal is, I, I think, for any team. And what it does is that's the trend for the game. And and now the opposition has got to score two to, to win the hockey game. So it just allows the Islanders, I think, uh, to play their game. And they don't have to think about changing in any way, shape, or form. They don't have to play comeback hockey. And I think one of the hardest things as, as a hockey player is to stay disciplined when, when you know you're down a goal. So sometimes you, you, know, you, you make that extra move or you take that extra chance and ultimately it ends up in your net. So I think for the Islanders is that uh, when they're on their game, they're so difficult to play against, they, they can shut you down. And so for them, um, the first goal is, is really important. And that's not to say that they can't come from behind because they, they've done that. But I just think for them to get right into their team identity, I think when they score that first goal, then, then it just sort of sets it up and, and it really forces the opposition to alter their game a little bit. Butch, we'll get you out of here on this. What ever happened with the leather helmet? <laughs> well, let me just tell you that it's a fiberglass helmet. Okay. And I have I have both of them at uh, at home. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I will tell you that the Hockey Hall of Fame has uh, asked for them on several occasions. But I told them it's a package deal. They don't go without me. <laughs> there, there you go. We, we were talking earlier, too, the... Uh, I mean, people, it's, it is the 30th anniversary of the Penguins winning the first Stanley Cup. And, uh, and around these parts, everyone remembers the, 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 the great trade, the trade deadline move uh, for Ulf Samuelson and Ron Francis. But boy, 
right high on that list too is always Butch Goring uh, coming over from the Kings uh, to help the Islanders begin that great run. Butch, thank you for spending some time with us today. Enjoy this series and uh, continued success to you. Oh, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate the time. You be well. Thanks. Thanks, Butch. And that is it for us today on the 66 to 87 podcast. We will be back with you um, a day or so after game one, and we'll see where the series goes. Uh, for Dave Molinari, Taylor Haas, this is Tom Reed. Uh, talk to you later, hockey fans.